Welcome to the Sages Among Us. What makes a community great? Most importantly, it's the people who live and work there and are engaged in community life. The Sages Among Us focuses on those people, what they do and why they do it, and celebrates the leadership, time, and energy they bring to making a positive difference for all of us. Good evening, everyone. Happy Cinco de Mayo, and welcome to the Sages Among Us. I'm your host, Brian Buckley, and today we're going to get the personal story of a citizen leader who is deeply engaged in making her community a better place. My guest tonight is Aaron Manette, mayor of Nevada City. As an elected official in Nevada City over the past few years, Aaron has come face-to-face with several controversies from street confrontations that make the national news to unique personalities and issues to difficult decisions regarding policies, budgets, and personnel. Aaron has been in the spotlight as the council tries to shape a vibrant and hopeful future for Nevada City. While political activism and involvement has been part of her life since the 1970s, Aaron also has a degree in early childhood education and has worked locally for Big Brothers Big Sisters and Tall Pines Nursery School. She also owns her own house cleaning business, and her volunteer work includes the organizations and causes included as Hospitality House, uh, the Children's Festival, Gold Run Parent Teacher Club, and the Site Council for Nevada City School of the Arts, as well as the local and state-level Democratic Party. Aaron, welcome to the Sages Among Us, and thank you for all you do on behalf of our community. Well, thank you, Brian. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, you know, we always are interested in, in just getting the personal story of, uh, of our guests. And let's go back to the beginning for you. Tell us about where you grew up and a little bit about your childhood. Well, I grew up in the Bay Area in a town called Lafayette next to Walnut Creek. Um, You know, it was very different back then. That was very much a small town. You go back down there now, and I don't even recognize it. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, but those were the times, you know, that you get up in the morning and throw on your clothes and get on your bike and take off, you know, and not come Mm -hmm. back until Mm -hmm. dinner time. Um, Right. It was sweet. It was a sweet place to grow up. Um, Went uh, through high school, and after that, being very involved in community theater and high school theater, I decided to go to L.A. and, you know, try my luck. Ended up waiting Mm -hmm. tables and auditioning (laughs) a lot the first year and decided that really wasn't for me. And enrolled at the local junior college and... Got a job um, working for a uh, preschool and decided to get into early childhood education and mm-hmm. absolutely loved it. It was great to be able to actually, it was kind of like being in theater, but you know, at that age, they love you and applaud for you all the time. So, <laughs> <laughs> great <laughs> audience. They are a great audience. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. and then um, moved back to the Bay Area where I got a, uh, my degree in a Montessori education. And, Great. yeah. Okay. Well, now, um, you've obviously been involved in uh, causes and community, uh, would appear, most of your life. Um, was there community involvement in your family back then as you were growing up, or are you a pioneer that way? Um. You know, I think that it was, I have two older brothers um, who are, 
um, eight and ten years older than me, and they were being, you know, and this was the end of the 60s when they were going off to college and becoming very political. And so being the younger one got involved that way. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, my first uh, demonstration was uh, Take Back the Night in San Francisco. And, you know, from on there, I really, you know, learned a lot by local causes and um, was quite the activist in my early 20s. Ended up at uh, Diablo Canyon um, protest in 1981, and mm-hmm. that was quite the scene. There, It really was, you know, at one point they actually gave you the choice whether you wanted to be arrested or not. And sadly, my activism kind of wore out at that moment. And I thought, wouldn't it be a great story that I can say I got arrested with Jackson Brown? So. <laughs> <laughs> and the you people I was just looked at me like I'm yes. crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I you would have had the same cell, but, you know, that, uh, who knows? <laughs> so, so, so your your uh, your interest in activism, you know, it it uh, began early on, and you attribute that mostly to your brothers. It sounds like, and uh, you know, just being exposed to what was going on in the Vietnam War, and also growing up in the Bay Area, and what was happening mm-hmm. in Berkeley. So, you know, there was so much happening that it was hard not to be exposed. Mm-hmm. So, and it sounds to me that if you were, if you were, you know, part taking part in the demonstrations or protests uh, to, you know, decommission Diablo Canyon, um, it was relatively quickly after that that you got involved uh, in supporting Barbara Boxer's campaign, correct? Yes, I was actually a friend asked if I wanted to work on her campaign, and I was living in Marin County at the time, and that was an incredible experience. And, um, of course, she won. Um, She ran for Congress and won in 1982, and uh, I got much more involved in the local Democratic Party in Marin County and, and the state Democratic Party and have continued that most of my life. All right. Well, you know, uh, you've obviously had a, a lot of key moments um, in in your past. And as you look back on the past decades, is there, you know, uh, one moment in particular you can recall that's been key in either shaping the person you are now or the course your life has taken since then? I think it honestly was a whole bunch of things that kind of came together. You know, you think you're going in one direction. Like I said, I was really involved in theater, and the next thing I know, I'm, you know, getting a degree in early education and teaching preschool, um, which I absolutely adored. Um, It really was, I couldn't believe I got paid to do that job. It, Mm -hmm. you know, I looked forward to going to work every day. what I found was just working with people and being part of a community shaped mm-hmm. the direction I moved in. Okay. So it sounds like, you know, you really, uh, yeah, that people in general are have been influential for you. Are there any 
any individuals you can um, identify that you you realize at this point have been or continue to be major influences or mentors for you? You know, honestly, there was a couple of wonderful teachers that I had in high school that gave me the opportunity to really explore who I was and believed in me. And, you know, high school can be very awkward. Um, right. <laughs> and, right. you know, I, I owe so much to them. And teachers make such an influence on your life, especially in high school, because at that point, you know, you don't want your parents to know everything. And this one teacher who wasn't actually all that much older than us, he was in his early 20s. And mm-hmm. he was amazing. And I feel I still, to this day, I'm in touch with him and so grateful for his guidance. Great, great. Well, it sounds like, uh, you know, uh, one of the major changes in your life uh, was coming here. How did you happen to find and relocate to this community, which was way back in the early 90s? You know, actually, I've been coming to Nevada City since I was very young. My mother um, came here as a child. She went to Camp Celio, and her mm-hmm. parents used to come up here for, to vacation, and that kind of continued. We would come up here and stay before they left me at camp. Um, so I've known Nevada City all my life. Um mm. So it wasn't a new community, though the last year I was at camp, I think I was 16, if I'm remembering correctly, and then I didn't come back to Nevada City until after my um, first child was born, and I didn't even recognize it. It had turned into a completely different place, because when I was coming as a child, Brunswick Basin wasn't here. It was a two-lane road. Um, Nevada City and my memory was a lot bigger, and actually it was a lot bigger because they put a freeway through it. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of I, a few months after that, you know, being in the Bay Area, we both of us being teachers, we realized we were never going to be able to afford a home. And we mm-hmm. also were about to have a second child, and we decided that we really needed to make the change of finding a place to live where maybe one of us could be at home and not both of us working and having our kids in child care. So we had some friends up here and made contact and ended up buying a house sight unseen in Nevada City on the day of the earthquake. And 1989 then. Yes. Yeah. And we didn't even move for two more years. There were renters in the house and... You know, it was um, one of the best and easiest moves I've ever made. And I'm not sure if that's because we had children, but it was amazing how this community just embraced us. And, mm-hmm. you know, the people I met, and a lot of people were moving here at the same time. And, right. you know, those all the people we met with our kids, I consider them family, and they're still here, and they're still my family. Yeah, yeah. Well, so you arrived here uh, about 30 years ago, and now you're the mayor. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, now that's coming. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that probably wasn't you know on your agenda when you first got here. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. But well, you know, obviously in any any leadership position, there are some stresses involved. What what makes it all worthwhile for you? Uh boy. <laughs> um, there are a few things that have happened in the last, you know, three years. Um, I started a, um, one of my areas that I am working on is, you know, fire um, safety in this mm-hmm. town. Um, I started the Fire Safety Advisory Committee, um, and we are working on a whole bunch of different projects, and we work with the city, and we're umbrellaed under the city. It's an amazing committee. We started about a year ago. We're just about, we're just in the process of launching a program called Adopt a Sliver. Nevada City has all these little pockets that have no lot numbers that, you know, the way houses were built or mapped, there's these Mm -hmm. little slivers that don't belong to anyone. And we're looking at having people help keep them clear. So we create fire breaks and it makes our city fire more fire safe. Um, And I'm also, you know, I'm concerned what, especially this year, as we move into a, you know, it looks like it's going to be a really hot, dry summer. There's areas that still need to be cleaned up. And, you know, this is huge. We actually have a, um, we're trying to raise money right now because Nevada City runs on a very small budget. I've got a GoFundMe um, going to raise money to help clear these areas so they're shovel-ready for someone to adopt. And mm-hmm. we need still need to raise about $5,000 to match a grant that we went for. And, you know, the more we can do as a community together, the safer we're going to be. And Yeah, Absolutely. And the other thing that I'm hoping community realizes the more cleanup we do, it's going to be better when they look at insurance companies um, start looking at us again. You mm-hmm. know, they kind of quieted mm-hmm. down during COVID, but, mm-hmm. you know, I'm worried about people losing their insurance and being priced out of their homes just to protect themselves with fire insurance. I'm Brian Buckley, and we're talking with Aaron Manette currently serving as mayor of Nevada City and a member of the city council since, uh, what year was it that you were first elected, Aaron? 2019. 2019. Okay, and then quickly uh, got into the rotation as as mayor. Let's talk about your role on the city council. What's the typical time commitment for a city council member who who isn't the mayor? (laughs) Um, You know, I... You know, prior to COVID, I was pretty much working full-time and was able to balance um, city business with um, a full-time job. Um, mm-hmm. So it's absolutely possible, you know, busy. I was, I've was i been very busy since I ran for council. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say the typical commitment probably is you know, maybe 20 hours a month, and that's probably, that's maybe overstating it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, you know, uh, I get up every morning the... and answer emails, you know, at 6 a.m., uh-huh. and, you know, I try Thank to... Thank you for answering mine, by the way. 
Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, and how how does that time commitment commitment change as as mayor? You know, I honestly, since COVID started when I became mayor, I have been incredibly busy. I am, I would say I do anywhere from the least meetings I do a week is probably three to sometimes up to 10, um, mm-hmm. along with, you know, now I'm working part time, but it's been a very busy year you know zoom is the i can't wait till i we can do a meeting in person i'm just so excited (laughs) but i also have a lot of committees that i'm on also i'm on the lasco committee and right so so it sounds like it's, it's maybe hard to determine how much is related to covid and how much is related to being mayor but it sounds like your time commitment's probably at least doubled yeah, absolutely. This year, it's been a lot of work, and um, you know, it's been a tough year. Um, and we're, you know, as I'm watching us start to edge our way out, you know, I'm a little worried about June 15th because we haven't gotten a clear idea if the state's going to completely open up, and I, I'm a little concerned, especially watching what happened in Oregon after they opened up and mm-hmm. are having to shut down again. So, you know, I'm hoping right. we don't do this too fast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, overall, yeah, you're alluding to probably a number of things here, but which brings the question to mind. Um, over your time on the council, what's been the most challenging thing for you personally? It's COVID. It's COVID uh-huh. and dealing with the especially living here it's one of the things i've always loved about nevada city and nevada county is how our community has always come together in times of crisis and Mm -hmm. this year i haven't seen that you know there's been a lot of anger and it's been really hard dealing with that and trying to do the right thing and trying to negotiate through all of this and mm-hmm. watching people, you know, getting sick. I've, I personally lost three friends to COVID in Nevada City or Nevada County mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, some, and some family members outside of, the, you know, this area. And it's been hard. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I've had a hard time um, w- working through all these different things. You know, we've had the council put a mask mandate in order, and I had protesters on my front porch, um, Mm -hmm. which was really very not nice. (laughs) Right, right. So, So Brian Brian and Aaron, this is Keith in the studio, and we had a caller that asked a question that relates a little bit to this. Um, And he wanted to know if Aaron, as mayor, does she think that Nevada City will survive the many changes and the growing pains? And he wasn't thinking of COVID per se, but thinking about housing prices and other things that are going on. I absolutely do. You know, it, Nevada City has burnt to the ground and rebuilt. It's We are a city that has hung in there. And as I watch, you know, businesses hang in there and citizens, you know, move forward we will come through this and 
you know, things are changing. Things will be different, but that's, you know, that's good. I'm hoping that we can get a handle on, you know, more affordable housing, um, not just in Nevada City, in Nevada County. You know, we were very – the two communities, Grass Valley and Nevada City, were so close, and we're growing together as things change. Right. Right. You know, your your role on the city council gives you a unique perspective on our community and region. Do any trends, directions, or issues stand out to you? Maybe uh, this is kind of a hitchhike question on our caller's question. <laughs> um, you know, I – it's – you know, Nevada City, you know, I can say the one thing that actually has – saved Nevada City this um, past year was the fact that we opened a dispensary. Um, the dispensary did very well this year, and the tax dollars that came into the city kept us afloat. Um, I think the hardest thing is that we're dealing with is our homeless population and rentals. You know, people can't find any place to live, and mm-hmm. housing prices are over the top. We have people moving in, paying cash, and paying way over the value of the home. Um, I'm seeing things for, you know, people can't find any place to live. So, mm-hmm. I think that is definitely a area which we're going to have to, not only Nevada City, but Grass Valley and the Board of Supervisors really work on. Um, you know, creating... Are there, are there any houses. any... Yeah, how does how does that happen? I mean, obviously you probably can't, you know, influence the large market the no, housing but, prices kind of go, but so how 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 would you help with the prices? Uh how would you get the Well, one of the housing? things that Nevada City did was back a affordable housing project. Um mm-hmm. 56 units will are going in and it's right on the edge of town near the schools. Um, right. I think that's a huge, that's going to be a huge help to, you know, we have to find places for all all these people who are working in restaurants and the grocery stores. Right. Because, yes, we have a very high number of retired people, but, you know, we need places for people to live that are going to help those retired people. So, um, you know, we can't just depend on um, people to just not have a place to live and not have services available. So, you know, we need to change. We need to – I'm hoping to see more families move in. I want to see growth of Mm -hmm. a mixed community. Right, right. Uh, instead of an aging community. Yes. Um, right. You know, um, even though I'm one you're, of you're, aging people. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, yes, we can. We can all feel uh, some somewhat familiar with that, huh? Yeah. The, um, the you know, you, you've been interested and active in causes and politics and communities for a long time. Um, what advice do you have for people who might be interested in running for local office? You know, the, I think that things that really get done and really ha- 
happen, for communities to happen at the local level. You know, we turn on the news every night and we hear what's happening on the federal level or the state level, but where we can really make a difference is right here in our hometown. And it's not just on city council. We have school boards, the NID board. There are so many different areas where you can make a difference in what is happening in your community. And this is where the real work is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you have any suggestions for people who may want to get involved in local decisions and directions but don't want the attention and conflict uh, and front porch protesters that might sometimes come <laughs> with a visible yeah. leadership position like a city council member? Um, actually, you know, and that would be, you know, then get involved with some of our nonprofits. We have, you know, amazing groups, Freed, um, and other, you know, the arts. I mean, there are so many other areas where people can make a difference on what's happening. And if locally, um, we have volunteers um, in town who help you know, clean up town and take care of things. And, you know, there are so many ways to give back or pay it forward, maybe, um, to Mm -hmm. your community. Absolutely. Yeah. Good, good suggestions. You know, if, if you had a a magic wand to wave over our community, Aaron, what, what change would you make? I would literally ask people to be kind to each other and respectful of each other, even when we have different views, especially right now. You know, our community, I think, needs to do better at taking care of each other. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, we are still, you know, we are still in this pandemic, and we need to watch out for each other without making each other wrong. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, I think I, I don't even know if you would have needed that particular magic wand uh, a few years ago. You know, no, you, you, you alluded alluded to the fact that the community pulled together um, fairly regularly, but uh, instead of pulling apart. I but, know. Uh, I. It's actually been really hard to watch. It's made me really sad. Um, and it was very unexpected to see mm-hmm. the division that has been happening you know, over wearing a mask and protecting somebody from getting sick. And mm-hmm. I, the, we have a memorial down in Robinson Square in Nevada City. And, you know, we've lost 75 people. And we are so lucky compared to a lot of communities. But mm-hmm. I don't want to see us lose one more person. And, you know, today we've got a hundred and... I, I think I could. I can't remember exactly the. Um, I think 128 cases, but we're up to five hospitalizations. We're seeing mm-hmm. breakouts in the age group of, um, you know, um, 16 to 30 is the largest right. outbreak right now, and we need to be careful. You know, our yeah. loved ones are at risk. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing your thoughts and your time with us tonight, Aaron. It's been uh, fascinating listening to all you've had to say. Well, thank you so much for having me, Brian. This was wonderful.